This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Todd Willits, and I'm joined by EPFR's economist, Cameron Brandt. We'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll look for in the upcoming week. Cam, good morning. And today we're actually joined by Ryan Nauman uh, from Zephyr. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Todd. Good morning. So we saw this, this delicate tightrope walk last week as the Fed, of course, met. Uh, Ryan, do you believe the Fed? And more importantly, do you think investors believe the Fed right now? Todd, that's a great question. I think what you mentioned that they uh, they tightrope walked it very delicately is a very good way of saying it because they're in a very tough position here. And I think after their meeting, um, it really added a lot of uncertainty to investors. And we saw that with the market reaction immediately following the Fed announcement and the days following the Fed announcement, there was really a reversal um, within, you know, a days of trading um, in that span. And, and it's really just added uncertainty to what the Fed is thinking moving forward, because previously the Fed was very dovish. Um, you know, they were, adamant that inflation was going to be transitory but now all of a sudden they kind of flipped their story a little bit and and the, you know i think in powell's follow-up statement he came out and said you know that you know kind of hedging his bets on inflation that inflation could be maybe a bigger problem than what they had been saying um you know previously so i think there is some uncertainty out there within uh, amongst investors Kim, uh, what in the data that you track, do you think the polls are showing up in the numbers that we saw? Certainly, um, it looked like a goodish number of the investors whose sentiment is reflected in our data uh, either enjoying some very uh, solid cocktails or believe the Fed much more than I do. Um, you know, we saw very substantial flows into U.S. equity funds, uh, significant flows into U.S. bond funds, um, and there was a fair amount of money taken out of U.S. Uh, liquidity funds and put to work. So, um, I actually think uh, that uh, Ryan is right in that uh, they the uh, Fed managed to stay on the tightrope. Uh, I do think that if they hadn't acknowledged that inflation may be a little more of an issue than uh, it, they were hoping it would be and, and really had stuck to their transitory narrative, that that would have been more damaging to the market. Um, they gave the market what they wanted, which is uh, uh, a continuation of, of all the, uh, the the punch bowl would be kept topped up, but also managed to maintain their credibility by uh, indicating in a nice distant way that they're aware that some of the recent numbers would give you pause for thought. Uh, I think a lot hinges now on the next couple of, of monthly numbers. Um, 
you know, if they continue to sort of surprise on the upside, then I think the you know the Fed will begin to sort of be maneuvered into a corner. Ryan, would you agree with that take? Yeah, and you know to follow up on what Cam mentioned too about them, you know what they had to say was very important, and I think that came across initially too through investors is that it showed that the Fed is they're not asleep at the wheel. Right. They're just not going to move forward and say that inflation is transitory. Clearly, inflation is rising and they've acknowledged it. And and I think that was was important, uh, especially in the minds of investors. So I know that one of the narratives we saw continue to play out last week was that of retail investors. Kim, can you give a little context? In the broader market, um, you know, including the areas we don't track, uh, we certainly saw um, uh, you know, retail investors continue uh, to inject a fair amount of energy and indeed <laughs> uncertainty into the market, uh, the focus on meme stocks. Uh, in the mutual fund space, it was a slightly different picture. In fact, uh, they were the investment investor group um, that seemed least uh, willing to accept, uh, the, you know, the, the, what the Fed was telling them. Uh, and despite the robust inflows into U.S. equity funds, we saw uh, retail redemptions uh, pick, you know, continue to sort of pick up momentum. Um, so a slightly uh, split screen response in the general market. They continue to go around kicking the cans uh, in the mutual fund space. They seem to have started selling into uh, market gains again. Ryan, in, in your uh, sphere, what sort of impact have you seen that retail investors have had this year? I mean, obviously, it's the first time I've seen uh, memes at the top of Bloomberg on any given day. But what, what do you think, uh, now that we're just about halfway through 2021, what's the big story or narrative that you think your clients are latching on to? It's such a great, great topic and one that's very interesting to watch. I've often said, gone on record, say, this is no longer our parents or our grandparents' stock market, right? And Everyone's investment thesis is going to have to change. And I personally think it's very good that, you know, retail investors through whether it's Robinhood or these other free trading applications are getting exposure to and more accessible to the stock market. Right. But with that being said, and because of social media, there's so many other drivers to the markets now other than just fundamentals, whether that's influencers like Elon Musk or other influencers out there on Twitter and Reddit. Um, all these platforms have the ability to drive markets. And it's something that needs to be uh, considered when, when you know, creating an investment portfolio. It's just not fundamentals anymore. You got to look at alternative data sets when determining, um, you know, investment portfolios and where where to allocate your money, you can be diversified, but you also have to look at the different risks that are out there. And you know, do you want to put a little sliver of your money into these meme stocks? And hopefully, you hit a AMC or you hit a a GameStop. Um, 
but it's really evolved and changed the way investors have to look at the market because of the growing retail side. And like what Cam said, there's multiple dynamics here. Not only do you have this younger crowd of retail investors on, on Reddit and, and um, you know, Robinhood, but you also have this aging demographics of retail investors that are also pulling out their money here to retire, number one, or just lock in their gains. They've had a fantastic year in stock market gains. So um, there's really two dynamics here at play that could be contributing to these outflows. Cam, do you have 5% of your assets in your portfolio in Dogecoin? <laughs> no, but I do uh, have uh, a decent chunk in emerging markets, which uh, at least for the past couple of weeks has been the asset class that time forgot. Yeah, and it, it seems like it's on the bond fund side this time around, not the equities. Well, y- usually the bond fund uh, side is the one that uh, resonates um, most sharply when there's a fear that U.S. rates are going to move up uh, in a way that people hadn't uh, penciled in. Uh, but we haven't actually seen that the past few weeks. It's been the equity fund side that's been very subdued. Um, now, part of that is that uh, in some ways, uh, if there's a golden asset at the moment, it's Chinese debt. Um, it uh, uh, actually pays a half-decent positive rate. Uh, it, it is denominated in a, a partially managed currency backed by huge FX reserves, Um now, that said, that's one corner of the EM universe I don't have any exposure to. But uh, a lot of people are bringing that in. And that certainly seems to have provided uh, almost water wings for the emerging markets bond space. Uh, and we actually saw frontier markets bond funds have their best week uh, in, in quite some time. Um, yeah, I th- on the uh, equity side, though, I think it's uh, there's sort of a real – loss of energy about Asia. Uh, We came into the year with everyone thinking, you know, led by China, that this would be a year where emerging uh, emerging Asia shone brightly. Uh, And between the recurring uh, waves of pandemics and the uh, almost Trump-like approach to uh, economic relations being pursued by the Biden administration, um, that narrative has definitely lost some gas uh, as we've moved further into the year. Ryan, at this point in the podcast, we usually check in with Cam to see what he and the team are working on the upcoming week. You have uh, on the Zephyr side that you're focusing on. Yeah, it's a great question. We have a few things really in the works. One thing uh, in terms of economic data that I'm going to really be focusing on is later in the week is uh, the Federal Reserve's um, primary gauge of inflation. The PCE indicator is going to be out, out on Friday, I believe, and that's going to be widely watched as we, you know, most of the comments we've talked about today are about inflation, really. Inflation and the Fed are going to be the primary drivers of markets moving forward. And, and the um, PCE indicator uh, of inflation is going to be very widely watched on what, uh, what that comes out as. That's going to be my primary focus. And then also just watching the yield curve. I would think moving forward, you know, the yield curve is going to drive where equity markets go. The yield curve flattened last week, and we to 
um, levels that we haven't seen since uh, 2020. And subsequently, uh, tech stocks outperform. If the, yield, if the yield curve steepens for some reason, you might see financials in that reflation trade, uh, you know, take note. So, so those are a couple of things I'll be watching for and really focusing on during the week ahead. Kim, what about you and the PFR team? So two things. One is that uh, continuing to see very high levels of interest in, in, in multi-asset vehicles, multi-asset strategies, uh, and that's obviously <clears throat> there's some good signals buried in there if we can tease them out um, and uh, then uh, we're going to be spending a certain amount of time with our stock level data uh, looking at ones which um, a case could be made uh, are becoming such big parts of portfolios that they're becoming almost systematically important the way uh, you know, some some fund groups and asset classes can roil the entire market. Um, you know, so the FANG stocks are the obvious ones, but there, there are a number of holdings now that have such large representation in such a large number of portfolios that, you know, one bad misstep by a Microsoft can really, uh, it gets amplified throughout uh, the universe of funds we track. Oh, and I'm also going to be banging the drum for the fact that we're very close to 50 trillion in total coverage. And I believe we just passed tracking 9 trillion on the ETF side, which is another yeah. uh, fantastic measurement. Right. Well, we used to sort of make a big deal of that, but those milestones are flicking by the window faster and faster. So. You're hearing it go by in real time on the EPFR podcast. Yes, you are. All right. Uh, Ryan, thank you for joining us. Cam, pleasure as always. And guys, have a great week. Thank you. You too. Uh, we'll do our best. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast.